worship amen amen so I was talking about the fact that we are still on the book of Acts and I was acknowledging the presence and the influence and the contributions of every teacher that has come on this altar to talk about Acts we are now in the book of Acts chapter 13 uh, last week we stopped on chapter 13 verse 43 and today we are going to go from verses 44 through 52 so I'll just read through first, and then we break it down uh, within the time that we have allotted to us this blessed evening. So I'm reading from the book of Acts, chapter 13, verses 44 through 52. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous, so they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, It was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews, but since you've rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. 47. For the Lord gave us this command when we said, I've made you a light. When he said, I've made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for this message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. Then the, then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. So they took the dust, they, so they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy words in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So, so we're going to start by providing some context. So we don't just start from verse 44. So we're going to go back a bit, and if um, someone puts up my, my slide on the first missionary journey. So, so this particular period is termed the first missionary journey of Paul, the apostle. Uh, we continue to study the book of Acts, so the, Paul was an apostle. And last week, uh, before last week, right, we talked about, remember the time when um, we talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit said, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas. Uh, please put it back up on Paul and Barnabas. So that was the first time they were called to go out, right? They were, they were in Antioch then. Then they moved to Salamis. That's where you see the preach. Okay, and then they moved to Paphos. That's where the um, negative prophet was blinded, the one that uh, was flowing with the governor. You remember that story? And then they moved on to um, Perga, Atalia. And then last week, they were at Antioch. Right? That's when Pastor Joyce took us through that preaching at Antioch. 
Did you know that that preaching at Antioch was the first documented preaching that Paul had in the Bible? First time a full documented preaching for Paul in the Bible. And then apart from that, did you also know that between the time Paul was converted and this time that his preaching was first documented, it was about 10 to 12 years. So that period that we've been looking at in the last few weeks, looking at Paul's conversion in a few weeks, it actually took 10 years in real time. Okay, so, so those are the contexts that we're looking at at how Paul continued to deliver the message. Now, this chart here shows Paul's first missionary journey. Now, if you look to the, to the right of it, right, that's the right of it, you'll notice that that's the world map, right? So that square there is the blow-up area of the first missionary journey of Paul. These are real locations. I think the current day Syria, that's where they are now. That's where it was. Now, I'm going to ask a question. If you know the answer, just raise your hand. The red stars on this world map, who, do you, who, who can tell me what they are? You know what the square is, the red stars. Who can tell me what the rest is? Okay. We know what the square is, the red stars. Okay, we got another mic here for Pastor K. Oh, sorry, Prophet K. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I suspect that it is uh, where God's red house are located. It's correct. That's it. So, so if we actually wanted to make a map for God's favorite house too, we can draw arrows on where all the stars are and show that where Apostle Femi Monei has actually touched and actually created something for ourselves too. So, so that's where the goodie bag comes in. So we're going to give, Usher, please hand this bag to Pastor K. So, no, no, not the whole bag. So just, it won't look inside. Just pick something. It's full of some good treasures. Just grab something inside. And, um, and then you hold on to the bag. Um, Apenzi. Okay, so that's one question. So there might be more questions. Hold on to the bag, don't worry. There might be more questions. So if you're not in the auditorium, I'm sorry. If you're not in the auditorium, the goodie bag will not get to you. But let's, let's go on. There might be something down the road that you might get on, for the folks online. So like we said, um, we see how these things are real. Paul's journey is real, the first missionary journey. As we go through the book of Acts, we see the second missionary journey, etc. So, so we engage through the verses today, and my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will help us to have insights and revelation to help us take the right action as we break down verses 44 through 52. So in 44, we are talking about the fact that you know, the following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of God. So what happened the previous week? Because this is the following week. Okay? What happened the previous week? Now, Pastor just took us through that sermon last week. Okay? And it was about the gospel of grace. You know, it was very radical at that time. The grace at that time. So we recall in verse 42 and 43, it says, As Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day. This was last week. Last week, Wednesday. So this is one week away. The people begged them to speak. Sorry, to speak about these things again the next week. So they wanted to hear what we talked about last week again today. Many Jews and devout converts to the Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged, that's Paul and Barnabas, urged those people following them to continue to rely on the grace of God. Emphasis here is rely on the grace of God. Now the people that Paul and Barnabas were talking to, these devout Jews, Judaism converts, they typically have about over 600 laws that guide their operation, that guide how they operate. In fact, 613, I heard. So do's and don'ts. So you can imagine people with those long range of rules, regulations, 
and you're telling them there is grace, that you don't have to do anything to deserve it, you just earn it from God. It was very difficult for them to absorb that, okay? So, as we, they came into the program, okay, the next week, but when this, some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous. So, they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. See how things change in just one week. The same people that are calling you to come back, they're telling you now that when they saw the crowd, they're like, ah, these folks are now running things here. They became jealous and they started countering even the things they had the previous week. A version says they were contradicting and blaspheming. The same thing they crucified Jesus for. They, have, they said it was blaspheming, right? Now they are doing the same thing just because they got jealous. So I have two questions here on this verse. One is on the jealousy, and the second one is against the argument they had for Paul. So, this is the question. Why is it so easy for us to challenge preachers? Why is it so easy to challenge preachers? I mean, there's probably a chance for somebody to answer that question, but I'm going to just put it in context too. So, every profession has their trades, okay? and their skills. So I'm going to ask them to put up the first slide. It's on questions. Just the, no, yes, the next slide. Okay, hold it there. If you are not a civil engineer, you can't understand this. This is, are the things that keep Tottenham Bridge going, the things that keep 20, 300 story buildings going. These are the basic things that we use to design beams, slabs, but you enter those buildings, you enter the elevator, you go to the 30th floor, you enter, you go on top of the You are never going to Milan Bridge before. These are the principles. So if I study civil engineering and I argue with you on these things, you have no opinion unless you're a civil engineer. So you respect me, right? You're like, okay, this guy knows what he's saying. Let's try another one. Next question. Doctors. There's no doctor in the house. But when a doctor writes, it's tough, right? We can't understand it. I'm not a doctor. I don't argue with the doctor. I just take it to the pharmacy and like, okay, you know what? Give me this. Even the terminology they use when, they, when they're in school, I don't understand half of it. It was when I was retired now, and I saw that these things actually mean something. Whatever ectomy, it means they're cutting something and splicing something. It means, you know, they're changing the shape of something. Doctors understand this. If you're not a doctor, how many of you argue with doctors here? You can't. You really don't have an opinion. Let's try another one. Pastor Femi will not understand this. This is coding, right? So the way you read your Bible and verse from verse, some people can read this and understand everything. Apart from the alphabet, I have no clue. Okay, some people understand this. Will you argue with the person that wrote this code? These are the codes that run your phones, run your TVs, your computers, but you use these things all the time. Okay, let's try another one. Aha, Luke 17, 4. You know, if somebody wrongs you seven times, you know, ask for forgiveness, you must forgive them. We start to argue with pastors. That's, uh, uh, okay, I can read the Bible too now. You know, I mean, it's not what, that's not what they're saying. They're saying that, you know, if the person is repentant, you know, if the person doesn't come to say sorry, I shouldn't forgive them. We start arguing. Look at the one on the right, on tights. It's very clear there. Bring the tithes to the storehouse, you know, and, you know, Lord of heaven armies, open the door of heaven, bless you. We start rationalizing it. 
that, okay, the Old Testament, the New Testament, well, it's uh, maybe, why, why, why am I doing more than 10%? We start arguing with the people that are interpreting the word of God to us. Very easy. Everybody has an opinion when we bring out the Bible. Everybody. But when the things that God has given us, the knowledge he has given us to do things like medicine, engineering, we don't argue. So I want us to just think about this and understand that the grace that God has given us, is it that he has made it too simple? The gospel of grace, such that people essentially feel they can argue with anything and get away with it. This happened to Paul and it happened to Barnabas. So, apart from the fact that maybe God made the gospel of grace too simple, let's bring up that meaning of grace again. Grace kind of helps us to understand our own helpless condition, but it also shows us God's limitless love. God's limitless love. That's God blessing us despite the fact that we don't deserve it. Blessing us despite the fact that we don't deserve it. Quincy, look behind you. Take the goodie bag and give it to um, the lady behind you and just try to pick anything from it. When Pastor K got something from the goodie bag, he answered the question, right? So he got something for the goodie bag. The lady collecting something from the goodie bag now, what's, what's that? Grace. That's grace. That's grace. She didn't, she didn't answer any question. That's grace. Now, if you want to take it further, I could now say that, well, if you didn't come for tribe and you're online, when you come to the office and pick up something, they were now calling it mercy, right? We are putting mercy in there somewhere, but I, I don't want to show mercy today. No, I'll show, I'll show mercy. I'll show mercy. So maybe somebody can come from, maybe the first way to ask a question online, you could just come to the office and pick something from the goodie bag on Sunday, okay? So some mercy in there, okay? So now, the second question is about jealousy. When they saw those guys, they were jealous. So it says, so my note here says that these leaders brought arguments against Paul and Barnabas, okay? But we know that the real reason why, why Dr. Luke said they were asking those questions was because they were jealous of the crowd. The truth is, when we see other people succeeding where we haven't or we haven't succeeded yet, or we haven't received affirmations in those areas, okay, it's easy to feel jealous. It is. That's just the truth. It's hard to rejoice with them. But we need to understand that we have to draw a line, that when it comes to the work of God, okay, we have to rejoice no matter who is doing it. We have to. That's, you, you can't argue with that. Now, the fact that jealousy is a natural reaction in quotes, right, it doesn't mean it should stay. It doesn't mean you should build on it. It doesn't mean, it's, a, it's like Pastor taught us. It's like a temptation, a test. There are ways you can't allow it to sit on your head and just manifest in there. The way it did for these Jews when they started asking and blaspheming against God based on their questions. So you cannot let jealousy hang around. So the slide they put up just now is just seven ways that you could say you could help yourself get rid of jealousy instantly if it rears up its head. There are different teachings that pastor has taught us. If you check them, you can point to all these seven areas. And that's pretty straightforward. You know, I mean, focusing on the way God loves you, God loves you uniquely, focusing your own identity in Christ, you know, the way God 
designed you, you know, fearful and wonderful made. Worshipping. Once you start worshipping, instantly you'll be surprised how your mind moves to different things that are glorifying God. Know that you are uniquely made. You know, the way the Lord God knitted you in your mother's womb is different how, from how he knitted anybody else. Gratitude. Gratitude. Understanding what God has given you drives jealousy away. And of course, celebrating the success of others. Not so easy sometimes, but you'll be surprised how that effort, if, you, if your action goes ahead, your spirit will follow, your soul will follow. To make sure that you celebrate others' successes. And of course, giving. Giving. Pastor, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Giving helps you to combat jealousy. So that prayer that jealousy will have no standing in our lives, in Jesus' mighty name. In verse 46, it says, Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared. You see, they were, they were, they were tackled, but by the Spirit of God, they spoke out boldly. We'll come back to that in a minute. They told the folks that it was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews, but since you have rejected it and judged yourself unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. That was harsh. That was almost borderline sarcasm. Like, you don't want Abby? Okay, we'll give it to people that want. But you know that there's nobody that doesn't want eternal life. Everybody wants eternal life. But Paul and Barnabas had to be bold and come out and say, guys, guys, don't disturb us. We've offered you first. Right of first refusal. You didn't take it. We are giving it to somebody else. Okay. Now, why it was necessary for the good news to go first to the Jews, it was that because that was the way God planned it from day one. Okay. I mean, from Genesis 12, when I was talking to Abraham, it was clear. He said there that in Genesis 12, 3, it says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. So the, the salvation was supposed to come through the Jews. It was designed from day one by God that way. So Paul, being a Jew himself, actually brought this package, this grace package of salvation to the Jews first. Okay. He wanted to give them an opportunity to actually benefit from it. So he didn't do anything wrong. He was still following God's precepts. He was still following what God wanted uh, to be done. But at the same time, this thing we call free will, choice. The Jews that had the right of first refusal found it harder to accept it. But the Gentiles, the Gentiles were the non-Jews, found it easier to accept that message of grace. It was easier for them to accept the message of grace. So, two things I learned from this verse is, if you are speaking about the things of God, don't be shy to speak out boldly. Don't be. Don't be intimidated. Right? You might have um, a nature that, you know, you don't talk much, you don't push out much, but even if you had nature like that, make sure that there are one or two things that you stand for, that if somebody pokes on those things, you will speak up and you'll be bold. And make sure that one of those things is the fact that Jesus is Lord. There's no other way for salvation except through Jesus. If anybody disputes that, stand up and be bold and speak about it. God will help you in Jesus' mighty name. In verse 47, it says, For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the furthest corners of the earth. So light is so significant here. You remember that even the first command that God gave was, let there be light. 
okay? So, so God planned for Israel to be the light. Through that same Israel, that's where Jesus came from and became the light to the nations. This light will continue to spread and enlighten the Gentiles. It's the same light that has shone on us and has even offered us salvation at this time. So we being light is important. We being light is a mandate from God. And our action here is that as we go forward, be the light. Keep spreading the light of salvation in every area you have. It's not only Paul and Barnabas that should spread it. From what we're seeing here, you are also light and you will not be hidden in Jesus' name. Your light will shine. Your light will spread the gospel and all men will see it and marvel at the glory of the Lord in Jesus' mighty name. Okay? In verse 48 and 49, when the Gentiles heard this, the Gentiles, remember, are the folks that are not Jews, right? They were very glad and they thanked the Lord for his message and all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. Let's, let's bring that slide up. All who were chosen for eternal life became the believers. When I read this, I was like, well, hmm. The, the person that wrote this, they did get it wrong. I was like, okay, I'm going to ask pastor when it's time for questions. So I've given pastor, you know, Orijo on the question I'm going to ask him uh, for cookie and egg. So I was saying that if the Bible said all who were chosen for eternal life became believers, why didn't it say all who became believers were chosen for eternal life? Are they the same thing? Are they different? Why would eternal life come before believing and then believing came before eternal, or believing comes before eternal life? Are they the same thing? Another version of this says that all those who believed they were destined for experience, to experience eternal life received the message. That I understood a bit more. In the saying that, yeah, they were destined to experience eternal life. They received the message. The message was simple, like Pastor Joy said last week, ABC, you know, Accept, believe, confess, you're in. Straight, that's it. That's the message of grace. Accept, believe, confess it, you're in. So there's always more. So if, if you see this kind of message and you're wondering, am I destined to explain eternal life? Hmm, what does that mean? If your spirit is yearning and saying that yes, your spirit is saying, pushing you towards that, then you need to engage. You need to engage by accepting, believing, and confessing. There'll be a chance to do that at the end of this, of this program. But I'm part adventure of your online, or you're even in the auditorium right now, and you've not taken those steps whereby God is saying you're destined for eternal life, but you need to act. In your heart now, you can start thinking about it, that yes, this thing, I'm going to believe it, and you get a chance to confess it, and you're in, into that group. May the Lord help you in Jesus' mighty name. And it says here, and... The Lord's message spread throughout the region. Now, as we go towards the end of a few verses that we have for today, it says in verse, in, um, verse 50 that then the Jews, these same Jews, they were pushing back, you know, blaspheming, countering him, uh, him and uh, Barnabas. They stirred up the influential religious women and leaders of the city. Why did the Bible have to put influential religious women. I mean, wh why not just say the state of the leaders of the city and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. So, two things here. One is, I was thinking, if they had to get the women in play to harass Paul and Barnabas, 
before they even went to the other leaders to rouse up the mob. Were these women the priestesses in, you know, uh, in Judaism? You know, did they just need, they just, did they just think that women are troublemakers and they could just ginger the men and just harass, just harass these people and get them out of town? You know, or naturally, you know, can we, do women just cause for highlight easily? That's why I said, bring them first. I, I'm asking this question myself because why did the Bible put influential women first? Okay. Another thought that came to my mind is how did Paul look? The physical appearance of Paul. Was he a handsome guy? You know, was he not too handsome? I mean, is there a way to can tie those, connect those dots and say, okay, let's bring the women and just run this guy off? I don't know, but we'll find out in a minute. So, instead of accepting the truth, the Jewish leaders stirred up opposition to run Paul and Barnabas out of town. Okay? They were confronted by a disturbing truth. You can't hide from the truth. You confronted, but they refused to listen. The action that I got from here are two things. May God help us that when we hear the truth in any area of our lives, we will respond accordingly in the mighty name of Jesus. And the second part of it is that don't let people use you for their ulterior motives. Because if those folks that were challenging Barnabas and Paul, if they had gotten their way, they would not have got, gone, gone to stir up the mob using the women and the other leaders. They had ulterior motives. You know, the pastor says one thing. He says that he that has, I'm paraphrasing now, he that has no plan will always succumb to the one that has a plan. So have your plan. Your plan could be like, this is where I stand on certain things regarding the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm not going to budge. But always have something you stand for. Otherwise, people will come and try and use you for their own ulterior motives. And may God prevent us or prevent those kind of people from having access to us in Jesus' mighty name. You know, I talked about the fact that, you know, I mean, Paul, whether, what kind of person Paul was, maybe that was why it was easy for them to, uh, for the women to kind of stir up the mob and move them out of town. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But before we do that, I'm looking at verses 51 and 52 here. Okay? So, they shook off the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went on to the town of Iconium. Okay? So, um, if you put up the, the, the map again, so you, you notice that Iconium is about 80 miles away from where they are right now this week. So next week, we'll be going from Antioch, okay, and going to Iconium. So be at tribe next week. If you are stay tuned, you want to know what happened in Iconium, okay? So this, this series continues, okay, and we'll find out what happened in Iconium. But talking about Iconium, it's, I, I did some, some research, and Iconium was one of the first places where somebody actually described Paul. There was some guy in, in, in Iconium that his name was Onesiphorus. You know, he was a writer too. And you know, in those days, people used to document a lot of things. And he said, he wrote something about Paul. He said, I saw Paul, a man of small size, with meeting eyebrows. So Paul had unibrows. Rather large nose, a bald head, 
bow legs, a strong build, but he said something. He said he was full of grace. He said at times his face was, that, was like that of a man, and sometimes he looked like an angel. That was the, one of the few documented descriptions of Paul. So you can see that to the eyes it wasn't pleasing. You know, I mean, short guy, well, challenge vertically, let me just say short guy. But you could see that, so it was easy for me to think that, ah, maybe the women saw the guy, was like, ah, this child guy is not looking to, you know, run him out. But he says there, he was full of, so there was something about Paul that the Holy Spirit did to him, that he was beyond the way he looked. He said his face looks like an angel. He might describe somebody like that. So my prayer that we allow the Holy Spirit to take his full course in our lives, that we might also look like angels to the people around us in Jesus' name. So, so we, we, we saw there that the Jews shook off the dust of their feet, okay? And in living in a Gentile town, we've seen that before in the Bible when Jesus told the disciples, we are living in a place, you know, shake the dust of your feet. It was a sign of almost like saying, you're on your own, you know, we, we, we don't want to do anything with you anymore. So for Paul and Barnabas to do this, it was demonstrating to the Jews who rejected the good news that we are not part of this anymore, Okay? So Jesus told his disciples the same thing, you know, shake up the dust from your feet if you go to any town that they don't accept you or listen to you, okay? So sometimes we take this too far, okay? So when we share Christ with people, okay, even though we're not responsible for them accepting Christ, we shouldn't give up. And it's not only in sharing Christ with people, it's in our relationships, is in the way we relate to everybody else around us, that we should be careful not to take this dusting our slippers to another level. Bring up that slide. And when you say another level, it's, it's easy to look at the Bible and say, oh yeah, these guys, I mean, I mean that's, that's the Bible, right? But we do it every day. Some people call it ghosting. Some people, when they use that word, it's over. That's it. We're done, I'm done. You know, stay on your lane. It's, those are metaphors for I'm checking my slippers for you. That I'm not going to talk to you anymore. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. We need to be careful of how we use those phrases. And God will help us in Jesus' name. So be careful not to misapply this action. Okay. Um, Doing that is not a way to respond to insults, disagreements, or people who simply annoy you. Don't make it easy to shake off the dust from your slippers. God will help you in Jesus' mighty name. Okay, so that's it. We have gotten to the last verse, and we thank God for, for his words, and um, it's time for questions and answers. And of course, I think Pastor is already on standby to join our conversation. But as Pastor is coming up, um, I think one of the reasons why they called Paul and um, Barnabas to come back was they kept with their time when they told them to speak in the synagogue. So I think I did, I did that too. So maybe I got a chance to come back. So let, let's see if um, Pastor is online. Please, is there any questions online yet? Okay, there's one. Will the person be in church on Sunday so that that goodie bag can extend to the person. Okay, we'll, we'll keep the goodie bag in the church office. So if you're that individual, you come in and get your stuff from the goodie bag. 
in the meantime, as we bring um, Pastor up, um, we can try and take on the questions while Pastor is coming up. Okay. Good evening. Directed at Papi. Okay. It says, Papi, as a believer who wants to grow spiritually, what daily spiritual routine would you recommend? Hmm. Hmm. Right there. <laughs> well done, Pastor Bolaji. Amazing um, teaching. Um, quite uh, illustrative and, um, and pretty concise. Um, God bless you. Thank God, sir. Amen. Okay. So, so there was a question within the wings for you already. Yes, let me have the question again, please. Okay, Debbie, please go ahead. Okay, sir. Good evening, Papi. Okay, so the question says, Papi, as a believer who wants to grow spiritually, what daily routine would you recommend? Okay. Um, to grow, um, regardless of your, your, your level in God, the fundamentals remains, remains the same. Read your Bible, pray every day. <laughs> Pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day if you want to grow. That, that's how it is. And so just start reading your Bible and praying every day is key. Then I will add um, one or two more things, and that is community. So iron sharpens iron. You need to make friends with people that have that same priority, that want to grow. You, you need to, and the, the easiest place to find them is in church. People that want to come for Bible study, people that want to read the Bible, people that want to pray, people that want to follow Jesus. So, um, so you read the Bible, you pray every day, and you have friends that are going in that same direction, you will definitely grow. And if you are that individual online, remember there are always tools here to help you. Devotionals from pastor, devotionals from church, I mean, prayer meetings. Uh, there are teams and groups where you can join for prayer meetings, videos to help you even through uh, those things that pastor have mentioned. So God help you as you, as you do that. Uh, another question? Yes, okay. we have um, three more that have come in. Okay, all right. Any questions in the auditorium? Okay, there's one. Okay, all right. Thank you. Please hold on, sir. Go ahead, Debbie. Okay, the second question says, sir... Why does exclusivity exist in the body of Christ and in some Christian relationships? Hmm. Exclusivity. I'm thinking exclusivity in a positive way because if, if, I'm, if I'm a single person, I'm dating someone, right? I want it to be exclusive, right? So it should be positive. So, but I don't understand what exclusivity is. It that somebody's, I wish the person could explain it a bit more. Um, and what exclusivity means in this context. Um, let me try and guess. The, the other side of that is, is thinking that there are groups of people that maybe are treated differently or specially. Maybe. Um, of course, we know that um, God is not a respecter of persons. And um, we also know that in the things of God, you know, the spiritual matters more, more than the physical. 
So I, I'm not sure. I don't want to say too much if that's not where the person is going. But exclusivity can be positive in terms of keeping on the straight and narrow and not being uh, uh, um, distracted. And if it has to do with people getting special preferential treatment in church, um, we know that that's not the way God wants church to be run. If you look at the life of Jesus, when he looks at people in the auditorium, there are so many um, parables he has about, you know, make sure you don't sit too much to the front, otherwise they tend to the back, you know, things like that. So it's not something that Jesus encourages per se. Okay? Pastor? Um, yes, so, I mean, you are right. I'm sure the person is, is talking about um, exclusivity as far as it comes to community yeah. in the things of God yeah. in church and and in relationships yeah. um, when I say relationship I don't mean the kind you just talked about when <laughs> <laughs> you are married to someone or dating someone or um, I mean in in community yeah. you know um, yes there should be no partiality in church and um, and by God's grace we work very hard towards that at God's family house yeah. Um, that there's no partiality. Um, interestingly, you know, uh, there are dimensions of exclusivity that is just a part of society, you know. Um, it's just a part of society. So someone that um, went to uh, school in, let's say, Oxford, let's say, okay, let's say University of Ibado, or uh, maybe University of Lagos is is not likely to to be angry out with someone that um, probably didn't see the four walls of the university. Yeah. Now, it, it's 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 not if it is done out of I'm better than you, then there's a problem. Well, yeah. I'm just saying that he won't just find himself in that circle, you know, yeah. and. And, and all that, and that is, that is not um, necessarily a horrible thing. Mm. Um, let me give you one, one example as far as it comes to, as, as far as pertains to church, then, then um, we, uh, we'll move from there. So long time ago, yes, someone came to church, to God's favorite house and said, oh, that the way these songs were changing on the screen was too fast for him, <laughs> that, Maybe we maybe the song is holy words, long prison for our work in this world. That is still reading holy words. <laughs> they change it. They change it. Why would they? They, they, they don't they don't care for those of us that are that are you know you know really just spreading to you know <laughs> there's partiality in this church. <laughs> So okay, I, I, I said, oh God, you know, the pace of the song determines why they changed it, yeah. you know, <laughs> and we're not the one that determines the pace, you know, <laughs> the text on the screen. So it may do well to find another church yeah. that will serve him spiritually or take it as a challenge and increase his reading skills. So that it may be struggling right now, but in three months' time, it, it would have caught up. 
as and challenge himself. So it's really up to the individual. Correct. You know. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So to you. And, and you, you said something very important there too, Pastor Femi. If if you have that kind of um, uh, notion, speak up. Like the person approach Pastor, you know, talk about it with somebody and make sure that you are not preconceiving something that doesn't is not really uh, people segregating. So just speak up, talk to somebody about it, a pastor, and uh, you'll be fine. In Jesus' name. Okay? Amen. Yeah. More questions? Yes, go ahead. Okay. Um, the third question says, is there such a thing as holy jealousy? Hmm. <laughs> holy jealousy. Hmm. I, I'll let Pastor handle that one. Because <laughs> the, the holy is trying to make it look as if you can do it and get away with it, right? But let's let, 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 let pass over and see. Okay, well, um, every emotion, you know, that we see as human, experience as human beings, we, we also see that our Father in heaven also experiences those emotions. Now, to the extent that God experiences those emotions, they are holy. So God says, I'm a jealous God. So that jealousy in God's context, context is holy because God is holy. Now, I'll explain in a bit. God, God, God says, oh, these people have offended me 10 times. I will deal with them. And in his wrath, he dealt with them. So even in his wrath, he's righteous. You know? Now, because he's God, and because he's God, as it affects us, is that, like Pastor Pollard said, you will feel jealousy. It's an emotion. You will feel anger. It's an emotion. But it becomes holy jealousy and holy hunger if you don't allow it to lead you to sin. So, if it is, if it, if you, if you, if if you feel jealous and you contain it and you act in accordance to how God will act, then it's only only jealousy. But you cannot be saying out of maybe maybe you are even married, and you know and. Your, your jealousy is giving your husband nightmares. And you're saying, oh, I, I have only jealousy. No, 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 no. That's not, <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like that, you know. So, and anger also, you cannot break somebody's head and say you have only anger, you know. So, as long as it's in the confines of, of, of God, yes, of course. Okay. Thank you very much, sir. As we were talking about it, I was remembering the story of um, um, is it Peter and, uh, and John when Jesus was telling Peter that he was going to go through some, some torture and things like that, and he was asking about, ah, what of this John that is always hanging out with you? To me, I was thinking, why is he jealous of this guy hanging out with uh, Jesus? And Jesus was like, you know, is that your business if I want him to be this forever? So if you, like Pastor said, it's an emotion. So even Peter felt it. You know, the disciples felt it, but the thing is, don't build on it to become a sin. And God will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Okay. okay so the final question okay. I have from online for now says, Papi, what's the secret of your prayer life? Can you give us some secret on how to build a healthy 
prayer life. Okay, so even though I was asked, so I mean, I will ask Pastor Balaji to share his own secret first. <laughs> okay. And, and the reason is this, the reason is this. What works for me may not, may not necessarily be the best for you. You know, you may make it work for you, but it may not be the best for you. So yeah. if, if you see different um, options, maybe you will find the one that works best for you. So, okay. All right. I mean, what, what works for me is I don't put myself under pressure because if the people that were working with Jesus, they saw him, they were touching him. You know, he was telling them, pray with me for one hour. And he came back the first time they were sleeping. Second time they were sleeping. Third time. You know, so, so I'm not putting myself under pressure like that. I encourage people not to put yourself under that pressure of measuring time. Okay? But at the same time, you grow. You don't improve what you don't measure. So you have to find that fine balance. So don't tell yourself you're going to pray for one hour. If you are struggling with this, okay, you can start with 10 minutes. When you start, 10 minutes might look like five hours to you because you will speak and God help you. If you can't, if you can't speak in tongue, let's see us in church on Sunday, you know, because that will help you. So you can find yourself, you know, praying and you've prayed and prayed and you check the time, only four minutes. Meanwhile, you think that four minutes, you'll have cooked like 10 bowls of rice and everything. You challenge yourself again. You pray, pray, pray. Check again. 12 minutes. Ah. But because you are not pushing yourself to that three-hour schedule, okay, if you do something long enough, after a while, five minutes looks like, looks very quick. After a while, 10 minutes look, naturally your body is like you're building your muscles. Your body starts to, your, your spirit starts to, not, in fact, by the time you get to a stage, if you pray for 10 minutes, you feel as if you've not even started praying yet. You feel as if, no, there's something missing until you reach, and you keep going that way, okay? Not all people have the same temperament like that. Some people get to that ramp much faster than others. But the thing is, know yourself. Measure yourself in such a way that you are trying to compete with yourself. Be a better version of yourself every time. And you find out that your prayer life comes to increase. We deliberate about it. Find quiet places. Turn off your phone. You know, there are some things that, nuances that come with prayer. It's when you're praying that thoughts will come. Even the dangerous ones. The things that you want to forget since, that's when the devil will fire it. See yourself, you want to pray now. Pack it to the side, continue praying. After a while, you will give up. That's when you remember you have to do something. If you remember something that is really important, take a two minutes break, or a 30 seconds break, write it down somewhere and keep it, continue praying. So, over time, you get better. Practice makes perfect. Pastor Fabian. Yes, amazing. So, um, if I were to add anything to that, to be uh, focused on consistent, you know, personality, I've talked about growing in the, in the duration, yeah. and that is so powerful, um, and, and, and focus on consistency. So you, you will go, you will achieve better mileage spiritually if you pray 10 minutes every day for 30 days than pray two hours 
Only for on Saturday. And only for only on Saturdays. Only for on, on two days. Then you are tired, you are discouraged. You the first day you are you fired one hour, the second day you are done 45 minutes, the other day you are like ah, judging yourself. Then the first by the fourth day you've given up. Yeah. You know. So consistency is so important in any relationship, consistency, you know, um, is 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 key. And um, one thing I, I, I do that, well, I don't know if it's a secret, you know, um, but in that, in, for the duration, sometimes I know that I want to push an issue spiritually and I want to spend some time in it. I want to see where I will be on that matter spiritually in two hours. So what I do is at night, midnight, we hours of the morning, I get out of my house. I know certain routes I take. If I walk from my house and I go this route, it will take two hours for me to come back home. <laughs> I know the one hour circuit. I know where I would take, and it will take one hour to come back. I know the 30 minute circuit. I know if I want to, okay, 30 minutes, I want to focus on this matter spiritually, I would take that route. So I'm not even worried about time. When I, if you fast or pray, it's going to be 30 minutes, plus or minus, you know, the pace, you know, at which you are going. So that could be a secret, which is, okay, this is a two-hour session for me. You know, we need to deal with this matter. You I get off, get out, in, and I take that circuit. In two hours, I'll be back home. But I will have now shifted my focus away from the time on, on the matter at hand. Okay, so... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. That, that nugget on consistency is key. Remember, the Lord's Prayer is the way he taught us to pray, too. It was a daily thing. We pray every day. All right? Thank you. Please, go ahead, sir. Good evening, sir. Yes, sir. Um, warrant of Gabriel Dogara. Okay. Nice to meet you, sir. Nigerian Navy. My brother invited me here to train. For the Olympiad? Yes, sir. Okay, okay, thank you. I think I on remember seeing you. getting to this place, or yeah. getting to this place, I felt the difference in me because I've never been in this house before. God bless you. But I'm in this house today, and I'm happy, and I'm happy because it's a house, too. Okay. May the Lord continue to grant the strength for us to continue this Olympia. And I'm going to give authentic Authenticity, right? <laughs> because I'm authentic. Thank you, thank sir. You. Thank, thank you for coming. God bless you. And we'll see you on Sunday too, sir. Thank you for coming. Okay. Uh, any other questions? Any other questions from the auditorium? Um, please um, give, give our guests um, a taste of the goodie Pastor Femi, any, any words? I won't use final words because um, there's nothing final here. We're, we're limitless. So any, any words before we, we take the offering, sir? Uh, well, I thought you said you had some questions. Oh, yes, yourself, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I, have, yeah. I have this question on, I think it was verse 48, yes, where I said that some versions of the Bible say that all those who believed they were destined to experience eternal life, received the message. Are there people that are not destined to receive eternal life? 
<laughs> that, that's the question. You know, um, it's as if yeah, it was written in the books of some people that, yes, this person will be saved, this person will be saved. You know, uh, there are people that were written that no matter what they do, they will not be saved. Okay, so um, the predestination can be a concept that a lot of, a lot of us struggle with. Um, I'm not going to, there have been a whole lot of movements, you know, Calvinism, um, on eternal selection and all that stuff. I'm not, I'm not even going to yeah. talk about those or try and debunk anything, but we'll start with what we know and what we all agree with, which is no one can come to God except God draws God draws them. Now, but I would say that God is drawing everybody. <laughs> no one can show to me, yeah. Yes. No one can show before God and claim they were not drawn. So that aspect in, in, in predestination, there's there's an aspect of foreknowledge and not for planning. Mm. So okay. for for planning, it means God has already chosen the people he will choose. There's nothing anybody can do. The people that will be saved will be saved. That's for planning. That's that's not correct. Okay. What we have is for, for, of God is foreknowledge. For knowledge. God already knows. He knows. But however, he will he will still give the chance. He will still give Pharaoh, um, 10 opportunities, or how many opportunities was, was he given, yeah. you know? Or, you know, kept adding his heart, kept adding his heart. But at the end, God knew he was, he was going to add in his heart because he's God. Yeah. But, you know, so that it would be justified when he speaks. So that, yes, you know, everybody would get a fair chance. And that's even why Jesus would say, uh, uh, except gospel is preached to the end of the earth, the son of man will not uh, return the second time. So the, the, the concept of foreknowledge is what is being peddled there, you know. Good, good. I think that's, that's very clear. Thank you very much, sir. Um, the other question I have here is, um, in, in your own experience, you know, how do you compare being challenged as a pastor versus being challenged in maybe uh, in your work um, as a programmer in, in the IT, in the IT sphere. I mean, to me, it's always very easy when you have people gathering together. Everybody has an opinion about what the pastor has to say, but when the professionals are talking, they just kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah, good guy. You know, that guy's a pro. Oh. No, you're right. I mean, so if so, I stand to to speak on on data science, or I start to stand to speak on on linear programming or object-oriented programming, whatever. And when I'm done, you know, it's like, oh yeah, as an authority, you know? Like you said, <laughs> I, I start to speak on salvation, you know? <laughs> when I'm done, it's not everybody that will say, you know? So it just shows that people um, have issues with God, you know, and not with you. So don't take it personally. You know, people have issues with God. You know, so God will say to Moses, 
it is not you that was rejected, yeah, you know. You know, it's me they've rejected, yeah. you know. True. They could say, oh, Moses is this, Moses is that, oh, but we love God, we are God's people. How many times, even Jesus, you know, Jesus said, you have your father the devil. They said, no, we, God is our father. God, this yes, is it, God is your father, you listen to me. <laughs> Right. Yeah, right. So people don't want to listen to Jesus and want to be called children of God. How much more? How much more us? Yeah. True. 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 Thank you for that exposition, sir. Thank you. Um, okay, we have one more question there. Okay, it's for Papi, right? Yes. It Good. Is. I see. Says <laughs> Papi, what's the best practice for company? Slash corporate typing. Hmm. The person is asking that the best company versus corporate typing, right? What's the best? I, I think company is corporate. I mean, or maybe the person means company and personal, corporate yeah. and personal. Yes. Okay. That's it. So, yeah, that's it. Okay, so. First of all, I'll start with personal. Personal is straightforward, it's simple. I mean, and that is 10% um, um, of your increase, whatever income, revenue, if you will, on a personal level that comes to you. Um, for those that are salary earners, you would relate to that as gross. Um, now, when you take that to the company level, it's not every company that you own 100%. And it's not every company that you determine, you, might, you can be a, a staff and have shares in the company. You cannot now mandate your company to pay tight. You don't have that authority to do that. You know, you, can, you pay tight on what comes to you. Now, if, now let's broaden it. You are in partnership. You own 50-50 of that company. So your partner, you, you should not be unequally yoked, you know, um, but it's possible that your partner does not believe in what you believe in. Your partner does not share the faith that you share. So you could stay by doing your own 50% and praying that God will influence him. But the, I mean, next thing would be if you have influence over the 100%, even if you don't own a 100%, you know, you may have, you may be able to convince the board that look, as a company, Let's have a covenant with God, and you keep that covenant and of, of tithing, and, and yeah. So then your income, of course, is not is, is also um, on a different level. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to add anything? Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I think it does. And, and I mean, you've taught us many times about you know the benefit of tithing. I'm glad the person is even thinking about it at that level. And I know that the promises that come with even the personal tithing and the corporate tithing. Are going to be the same pretty much more ideas open heavens i mean devourers being rebuilt and so just the, the the heart is in a good place already and just keep following it and you get better and better at following the holy spirit you know exactly how to behave in that uh, particular scenario so please whoever that is uh follow through on on, on what you're thinking about okay okay that's 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 it okay um if there are no more questions I think, Pastor, can we go for uh, offering and tithes at this time? Um, yes, you know, even though uh, I think we should because of time, even though I would, 
I will, I will ask you about the woman causing trouble matter. <laughs> yeah, we got to cover that quickly. <laughs> you know, and um, and the and the stature of of Paul. Oh, yes. You know, you, you know, Paul actually that that um, I don't know if he's a historian or a yeah, theologian in, in, that is that description is pretty accurate based on what we see, what we can infer from the scriptures. Yeah. So Paul said that, oh, I'm not mighty in appearance, <laughs> but I'm mighty in words. Yeah. Yeah, he did say and, that. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and oh, you know, you guys don't look down on me. You know, it won't say because I'm a short man, but we just <laughs> leave it like that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> So again, it also, it's also encouraging that look, no matter your stature, you may think yeah. that, oh, you know, I'm not the tall guy, I'm not the natural leader that people will look up to, you know. If you're anointed, you're anointed. Yeah. So go for your calling, you know. Forget about your stature. Okay, so, that's, so that's what I would say on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the women. <laughs> Or the woman, you know, I mean, it's time immemorial. Yeah. Women are able to cause more trouble than men. <laughs> <laughs> from, from, from the first books of Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> from the first book of Genesis. So I, 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 I think that the people were strategic, you know, yeah. in... In, in making sure that they caused maximum maximum problem for for, for Paul and his crew, yeah, 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 and yeah. I, I thought so too because if it wasn't important, the Bible would not put influential women first. It would just say the leaders. So, um, but we know that the women in God's favorite house are not they're influential, but they're not troublemakers. Amen. <laughs> That's all. Okay. Um, that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Balaji. Again, um, that's, that's an amazing, an amazing teaching. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. I think we have to feel Pastor Balaji on, on that. Um, okay, so um, the Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. The Lord make his face shine upon you Amen. and be gracious unto you. Amen. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. And so it is, I shall be. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. To God's very house, who are we? We are limitless all the way. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Tell it in